Welcome to Sydney Property Insider, giving you news and insights on the Sydney property market. Your hosts are Michelle May, a professional buyer's agent and owner of her independent buyer's agency, and Marcus Roberts, a member of Property Investment Professionals of Australia and owner of leading mortgage broker firm, Brighter Finance. Hi and welcome to the Sydney Property Insider podcast. This is episode two. Michelle May and myself, Marcus Roberts, are here with you for this week's auction results, as well as our larger topic today being how auctions work. So you're ultimately your guide to auction success. Michelle. Hi. How are you? Very well, very well. So Michelle, first let's let's talk through the clearance rate for this last week being 20th of January mm-hmm. um, in Sydney. Again, really big asterisks. Asterisks, asterisks <laughs> on the, it's a hard word, you know. It's, it's very early in the morning. Um, big asterisks on this. We're still in the start of January. Most real campaigns don't seem to start until the coming months. Mm. So this past week we had twenty six scheduled with a fifty percent clearance rate. That's from the results being published on domain.com.au, um, which get published as well as sent by email on a weekly basis on Saturday evening. We'll provide a link to that result on the show's notes as well as the site. Um, but again, big asterisks on that uh, being, let's see what those are like in February, March, April as 2018 rolls on. Mm. So Michelle, how do auctions work and why is it that, especially in Sydney, a lot of sales seem to rely on them? So why is it Um, In hot markets, especially as we've seen in Sydney over the past couple of years, Mm. real estate agents and vendors really prefer using auctions for their sale process. Yeah, auctions are definitely the way to go and they have been over the last couple of years. Well, you know, auctions are designed to be transparent, everyone can see who has registered a bid and, and how many are prepared to offer anything by show of hand. So Although the agent don't give away the client's minimum acceptable price, the reserve, vendors are committed to selling the property once it's officially on the market. So there's an ending to this, generally speaking. A defined timeline, usually six weeks or less with standards, you know, two open homes per week, plus possibly more private viewings if the agents are open to that. So obviously in a hot market, lots of buyers out there. And this type of exposure will allow as many buyers as possible to see the property and, and see each other as well, mm. you know, um, create that urgency, that 30-minute window to get through it and create competition. I mean, that's what they're looking for. A fight to the death. That's right. <laughs> so the auction date, surely, it, it means surety for the seller as well, especially if they've committed to buying elsewhere. And, you know, with more buyers competing directly with each other, seeing each other, looking each other in the eye, you know, eyeballing each other, it drives up the price. As I said, so fight, fights to the death. <laughs> that's right. Two men, two people enter <laughs> one lead. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, in hot markets, really the only way to buy is to be prepared to, to register at auction. You don't register, you don't buy. So in the last couple of years, that, that has certainly been the way to go. Now, at the moment, we're seeing a few more private treaties as well, but still a different situation creates different needs. So so when it comes to, for example, deceased estates, when there's beneficiaries involved or couples splitting up or, you know, that kind of thing, the vast majority of those vendors will still choose an auction campaign regardless of the market. Because all invested parties will then have an open way of seeing how the auction is conducted and there can be absolutely no argument afterwards about the result. Absolutely. So uh, really a completely arm's length transaction. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. So, Michelle, if you've never gone to auction before, 
um, or you've either attended but you've never actually bid, what are your rights and obligations when you do go to bid at auction? It's a nerve-wracking situation, isn't it? So I think the first place you want to start looking is, is um, this really great bidder's guide uh, that Fair Trade New South Wales have created for you. Um, we'll put the link on the website uh, so you can have a reference point there to start with. Yeah, so um, we'll put that in the, the podcast show notes as well, so you've certainly got it handy for your mm. next auction. Yeah, so in this document, it'll explain exactly what you need to do. So first of all, you need to register. So in order to be able to put your hand up, you need to bring a couple of pieces of documentation to identify uh, yourself. Because what you need to know is that at an auction, a purchase is unconditional, which means that you you waive the cooling off period. So normally when you buy a property in private treaty, there's a five-day cooling off period in which you can do all your due diligence. You know, it can be subject to finance or building and pest or anything else like that. But at auction, that's not the case. So you need to have done all your due diligence prior to auction and make sure there's nothing there that could, you know, affect your willingness to to buy it, you know, or actually affect the actual value of the property itself. If you can't exchange contracts on the day and you are the luckiest higher bidders at an auction, you will actually lose your deposit and you, you may be liable for damages from, from the vendors. So it's a really serious thing going to auction. Um when you are the successful bidder, you'll need to sign the contract and, and pay the deposit right there and then. And that normally is 10%. It can be arranged to be less than that, but that needs to be agreed to prior through the solicitors or conveyances. You know, obviously, we're talking about a huge amount of money here, 10%. Um, so 5% is becoming much more of a standard nowadays. Yeah, and big amounts of money, especially with the way that prices have gone over this last 12 to 24 months, that. 5-10% can fluctuate greatly on auction day. So when you see a number of people going for the same property, the price guide that's put out often isn't near what it ends up selling for. No, we can, we can feel a whole other podcast on that alone. We can almost feel a whole series on it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we'll keep that for another day. And just on that, because you mentioned uh, paying the deposit there mm. and then if you're successful, um, and if this is, again, your first time, your first time thinking about auction, you're listening and you think 10% of a property price in Sydney, what am I taking with me on auction day? So am I taking a big suitcase of cash? <laughs> um, but, you know, what does the real estate agent expect as the deposit if you are successful? Yeah, well, normally speaking, that would be a check. So I always advise my client to get this very early on in the search when we start looking uh, to get a checkbook or, or ask your bank, you know, what are your options when it comes to paying a deposit on the day? Because most people don't own a checkbook anymore. Yeah, checkbooks, uh, I mean, apart from my father who believes that that's the only way you can pay for anything, <laughs> including Christmas gifts for grandkids and things, which grandkids look at them like, what have you done to me? Yeah. Um, those have really gone over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, most that's are, right. Yeah. So you can either go to your bank and get yourself a, a checkbook, a proper one, you know, the old school ones, um, or you ask them for a counter check. So depending on who you bank with, um, you know, you, you might get a couple of checks for free, um, you know, blank ones, so you can fill them out on the day. Uh, the other option is to get a banker's draft. So um, you then have to nominate the amount that the bank will put on the check, and you, you take that with you on the day. And, and if there is a shortfall, uh, you know, the, the actual um, checks is less than what you're supposed to be paying. Uh, you you may then get the, um, the change into, to, you know, direct deposit into the agent's trust account, for example. But obviously, if there's if you have more, then you're sort of giving away what you would would have been prepared to go up to um, 
you know, at auction. So I prefer blank checks in that scenario. So, you know, more and more contracts are getting there into the 21st century. So it's going to be an option in the future that you just pay by direct deposit as well. But, you know, uh, at the moment, that's not what's usually done. Yeah. So, Michelle, at the start of the show, we talked about the clearance rate being 50%. Yeah. So some of those properties are not sold at auctions, obviously. Mm. Um, What happens to them? So if a property is passed in at auction, talk us through it. Yeah, so if the bidding hasn't reached the reserve, so the reserve is the amount that the vendor has nominated to the agent as their minimum amount of what, what they're willing to sell for, and the bidding is stalled, the highest bidder usually gets the first option to negotiate with the vendors and still buy the property under auction conditions, so, uh, you know, without that cooling off period. But be aware that's that's just a, a courtesy. Uh, it's not a right of the highest bidder. Um, and, and so if the highest bidder is playing hard to get and saying, oh, no, no, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not negotiating. This is it and walks away. You know, the agent has every right to to vet the other registered parties, if not after or at the same time. Um, I've seen it happen, you know, where the, where the highest bidder doesn't actually walk away with the property, but someone else does. So, so be aware of that. And obviously then your negotiations start and that's a whole different ball game, you know, because Generally, the most buyers out there aren't skilled negotiators, um, whereas agents are, and, and you're left to your own devices. You know, um, so sometimes it may be better to put your hand up at auction rather than to let it pass in, because at least then you're still you can still see what's going on, and uh, and you can go up to what you're prepared to pay, as opposed to being put in a situation where you're definitely, you know, at a at a disadvantage here, not being the most skilled negotiator. Um, and you might be put in a position where you know you're going to be end up paying much more than you would have done. Absolutely. Mm. And Michelle, one other point that gets often gets asked by people who've never attended auction, they might watch the blog, um, they might see auctions on TV, but mm. if bidding hasn't reached reserve, very often you'll hear about the auctioneer going back to the seller to get a bid from the seller. So walk us through that. What's actually going on there? Yeah. So the vendors bid by law. The the vendors are allowed. To to, to make one of those bids just to keep the auction bidding going and, and to obviously to get it more towards where they'd like to be. So the auctioneer will place that bid on behalf of the vendor and, and sometimes that then kickstarts the bidding back into place, especially you know now where the buyers are a lot more wary. There's not that many buyers at auctions anymore anyway. Um, you know They're not that keen to put their hand up and, and sometimes it means that it could be the end of the auction and the property gets passed in. So, yes, in New South Wales, the vendors do have the ability to place one bid themselves. That's really interesting. So Mm. rights and obligations when bidding at auctions. Auction day itself, however, what are the things that we want to check um, for before auction day? So before that Saturday morning, what are the things that we'd like to make sure that we've checked on, that sort of checklist that you want to go through prior to showing up and just registering on the day? Mm. Well, obviously, like I mentioned before, um, you're locked in if you are the highest bidder. So if you if you then decide you don't want this property, it could cost you a lot of money uh, if you change your mind afterwards. Um, so there's a couple of things you definitely need to make sure that they're in place. First of all, your pre-approval needs to be current. I can't stress this enough. It needs to be current. And for the does it cover you for the amount that you're thinking of putting your hand up for? You know, it, it may well be that your pre-approvals for one five, and in, in the heat of the moment, you go up to one seven. Well, you might have a problem there. You know, so so make sure those two things are 
in line with what you're doing. The banks are very strict with their lending. So um, you don't want to run into problems after you, you've signed on the dotted line. And I can certainly say from my own experience that there have been times in the past where people have had pre-approvals up to the full amount of their borrowing capacity, which we can certainly you know, get into on another occasion. But for the sake of the argument, they're allowed to borrow $1 million exactly and they show up on auction day, emotions get the better of them, their partner's, um, partner's elbowing them in the ribs um, <laughs> and suddenly that $1 million that was approved from the bank, which is all that they could afford, well, those emotions you know, take over mm. and suddenly they're, they're bid- bidding a, and maybe they're successful and they're over that $1 million um, borrowing from the bank and they need $1.05, $1.1. Now, going over the pre-approval amount, not the end of the world, but it will require going back to either that lender or if you've reached the, the full borrowing capacity, seeing if any other lender will help you meet that commitment that you've made to the vendor in exchanging and settling for in a few weeks' time. So making sure that you've got your pre-approval current up to date and it covers the amount that you're willing to go to at auction, not going over that figure on the day. Yeah, and Marcus, you're, you're the expert on this. Pre-approval length is usually three months. Generally, it's it's three months. I mean, certainly um, some lenders do go over that, so some lenders will go up to six months. There's a big caveat to that being that most of them, if not all, um, do ask for updated financial information to make sure that you're still working after three months have passed. Mm-hmm. So even though you've got a, a, a pre-approval that might last six months, they still reserve the right at any time to look at your current situation, especially if you pass um, three months um three months through. Yeah. You know, the last thing that you really want to do is have that pre-approval expire. Ten days later, put in a bid without pre-approval in place, mm. especially if your work situation has changed. Um, so it's important not just to know that you have the approval, mm. but also when that pre-approval does expire. Yeah, because the first thing I always say to my clients is we don't go shopping without a wallet. You know, there's no point going to auction without having that in place. Yeah, and that's completely different to to what I say when my wife goes (laughs) shopping at Westfield. Um, We can go shopping all we want as long as we don't take the wallet with us. (laughs) Oh, that's funny, yeah. Also, make sure your pre-approval is current and covers the amount that you're thinking of spending. Now, the second thing is your due diligence. That's a a whole different uh, ballgame. So part of that is the contract. Have you had the contract reviewed? So have you had someone professional look at it? either a conveyance or a solicitor, and, and how are you happy with the terms that are in there and, and have those terms been explained to you? So, for example, 90% of the contracts that I see, and I'm not a solicitor or conveyancer, but I see a lot of contracts along the way, will have that they what they call a, a release of deposit clause in there. So 90% of solicitors put them in, 90% of solicitors take them out or ask to have them taken out. Because um, a release of deposit clause means that your deposit does not go into the trust account of the selling agent where it's safe and secure. It goes directly to the vendor selling the property. So should the purchase fall over, you have to pursue the vendor, not the agent's trust account, which is audited and all those things. Um, so it's a lot riskier. Now, if you don't know that's in your contract, you sign a contract, this you know could have consequences for you. And you know, if, if the purchase doesn't happen, you've got to you've you've got to deal with that. Other things to think about also uh, in terms of due diligence are your building and pest report or a strata report. Um, it's really not worth 
saving your money or not having one. Like I buy properties for a living and I have done so for a long time. And I still always want my clients to have a building and pest report or a strata report done uh, to find out the state of the building that you're buying. Um, you really cannot do without one. We're talking about huge amounts of money that you're about to invest into you know, quite possibly the biggest investment in your life. So therefore, you you really need to know uh, what it is that you're buying. Yeah, and just on that, something that I often see at open homes is the you know a pest report being pre-done by someone that's aligned to the real estate agent or the uh-huh. selling agent. What are your thoughts on using that as a guide versus you know going finding your own your own person to to undertake that separately mm. um, and having it done you know i guess independently of the, mm. of the real estate agent selling the property well look i mean there are several schools of schools of thought on on that obviously there is a, a school of thought that the building and pest inspectors and the strata reports are done through the agents tend to be a little bit more lenient than others so being in the industry i do know who those operators are so if i see those reports the open home i you know i always advise my clients to, to get their own one because they're really not worth the paper they're written on you do have to be very careful of course yeah, we're not for a second saying that those wouldn't be valid and wouldn't hold up in a court of law, but some of those things may be seen more leniently, um, maybe present more leniently via a selling agent rather mm. than to someone who has been engaged by the purchaser or a prospective bidder who has no relationship, no referral relationship, no corporate relationship mm. with the vendor or vendor's real estate agent yeah. whatsoever. And I do have to mention that even even those independent ones, some of them have got so many disclaimers in there and such a, a, a low level of detail that, you know, they're also not worth it. So as within any industry, you, you've got to, you know, find that, that really um, top performer, in, you know, in their industry and that they're both in the building inspectors and, and, the, and the strata report companies. You know, there are those that are really excellent and there are, there are some that are, are not that great. So the level of detail of the building inspector that I use, for example, his level is, is just beyond anything I've ever seen with any other company. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's worth spending the money on the right reports. But um, still, some reports, still better than no reports. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with that. So um, now moving on, there's more practical things that you have to have ready for your auction. Obviously, we've touched on it before. Have you got your checkbook or have you got an alternative arrangement uh, to, to pay for the deposit? Because that can be a real issue. I spoke to an agent last year who said that the successful bidder had no idea how this went and, and they gave him 50 bucks. <laughs> the nice. agent you had to go with that, which is, you know, quite an unusual situation. I've just bought a million dollar property. <laughs> Here's what I've got in my wallet. I do know, you, right? Do you have change for a Twitter? It's yeah. So I don't advise mm. anybody to try that because most agents would say no. Um and you know, you'd land yourself in a bit of trouble there. So um now have you got a current ID with your address on it, such as your driving license? Or or do you have a combination of say a utility bill and a passport, for example, to show them? Because that is what you need to register at auction. And even if you have pre-registered, which is what you can do online some sometimes now, uh, you will still need to bring that along to auction with you to confirm who you are, obviously. Um, if you are thinking of bidding on behalf of someone else, you need to have that authority paperwork signed by both yourself and them, uh, which will allow you to do that. Now, most agents have that uh, that kind of documentation ready uh, so they can just email that to you prior uh, to the auction. 
And then finally, I would say bring the contract changes with you. So that contract that you have now had reviewed by your conveyance or solicitor, if there were any changes that were requested and agreed to, just print it out and take it along with you. Um, the more organized you are, the more confident you'll feel as well. And it'll just help the agents to make sure that they're doing the right thing with the, with the contract changes. Fantastic. Okay, so paint us a picture. We've, we've now gone to auction on our Saturday morning. It's bright, it's early, we've had three coffees. We're thinking about throwing $1.3 million into a small one bedroom somewhere. Um, biggest decision we'll make in our lives to date. It's the morning of auction. What is it that we're looking for? Okay. Well, I'd stop at the one coffee, uh, but go through the property again and just make sure that um, if you're on your own or if you're with your partner or family, you're absolutely sure of your maximum bid. So don't go changing that. Make sure that you have that number ready in your head before you start. For me, as a as a buyer's agent, you know, professional, I can see that, you know, if you're having a conversation during the auction to change your maximum bid, you know, you're having that conversation with your partner, for example, then I, I means that means I know I've got you. You know, you're you're close to your bid or you've already gone past it. So if you want to beat me at auction, just make sure you've got that in your head beforehand. Look at the property that, itself. That sounded like a really veiled threat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say that. That, that sounded dangerous. I'm actually, I'm actually giving you an edge there, yeah. you know, um, which I, I'm shooting myself in the foot no here. No <laughs> But um, if you're in the property, ha- have a really good look through it again. You know, do you still love it as much as you thought you did? Um, in the cold light of day, sweaty palms, you're about to spend an enormous amount of money. Do you really want to go ahead with this? Because, look, there's always going to be another property. This one doesn't have to be the one. Yeah, so being really objective um, with the decision. So we, we keep mentioning it. I know we're going to mention it again, I'm mm. sure. But taking the emotions out of the purchase decision um, and going through the property, seeing warts and all, seeing what the good points are, what the bad points are, where you can improve certain aspects, things that you can't, making sure that it still gives you that, you know, that tick of approval. So it ticks all the boxes that tick the first time you looked at the second or even the third time prior Mm. to the big day itself. Mm, Absolutely. Because, you know, things like lack of internal light in an apartment cannot be changed. You know, if you're even slightly worried about that, you know, think again, Have have a really good, you know, honest conversation with yourself. You know, the fear of missing out on buying a property should not be the main driver. That's, yeah. that's that's FOMO for the millennials. FOMO, here. that's yeah. right. I mean, we've heard so much about it. It was a huge driver last year. Yeah. Do not let it be a driver this year. Um, moving on to punctuality, always be there before registration opens. And this is really important when obviously it's auction on site. When it's in auction rooms, it doesn't really matter that much because they've obviously have so many other properties um, listed to, to auction off that night. You, you can't really tell who else is there. But I always say before the auction uh, starts, there's obviously a, a time to register. So be there before the registration opens because you can really uh, watch who else is going to be there. It's important to check out your competition. So, you know, who are they? Bidders all have their own story. You know, there's the first home buyers. They're in a certain age bracket usually. They usually come with an entourage of parents and friends. You know, um, then you have the empty nesters, usually of a certain age. They've sold their large family home and they usually come with an air of confidence, but also, unfortunately, very deep pockets. They've made a lot of money in the property market because they've held on to their property for such a long time. And therefore, when they're at auction, you're on for stiff competition against them. 
And there's the investor as well, you know, so check everyone out, uh, take your time, sit down somewhere so you can watch everyone and just people watch. I think for me, that is one of the biggest tactics that I use when it comes to auction. And it has helped me succeed time on time again, knowing who's there, you can scare off some, hold off onto others when I, when I had to, you know, just looking and checking out the people. Fascinating. So really Facebook stalking to it to an, to an nth degree. Um, you know, certainly watching everyone register, we're not suggesting for a second to, to stalk them in the bushes in the weeks afterwards, just in case they happen to be there at the next auction. Um, but getting an idea of who are the people that are there that are, say, nosy neighbours, mm. live on the street and just want to see what happens to that house next door versus those that are actually registering mm. there for a serious purpose and they are the, your competition. That's right, yes. So, Michelle, we've now reached the exciting moment. The auctioneer is taking a stand. He's done his initial speech. We're now to the point of bidding. Walk us through some of your bidding strategies. You attend a lot of auctions. You've attended a lot of auctions over the years. Yes, I do. So, we've looked through things to look at prior to bidding. So, actually bidding. What are those bidding strategies? What are some of the, the tips and tricks that you use? Okay, so there's a couple of schools of thought. There are some that believe in, you know, first in best dressed. Uh, whoever opens the bidding takes control and, and walks away the victor. Um, auctioneers typically love to use that line as well because most buyers, they wait endlessly, you know, to put their hand up and it's excruciating. It's, it's almost as if they're afraid to show their interest in the property. But to me, it's like, you know, well, sure, you're all here to buy. You've got up early on a Saturday morning. We've all got sweaty palms. You've registered for an auction. Let's do this. So I will uh, often open the bid and just to get it started, put in an offer and then see what happens and let it play out. You know, sometimes I keep going until the end, until I've bought Fast and Furious, which I might use against first home buyers. You know, uh, I might try and scare them. <laughs> Fast and Furious 11, Vin <laughs> Diesel with the Sydney <laughs> property market. <laughs> Coming to that. Slightly more hair though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, because I, you know, having been there at registration, I can see who they are and I really try and dominate the situation by really, really confident standing somewhere where I can see everybody, they can see me, and it, it has worked many times. So it needs to look as if I have limitless funds. Uh, yeah, abs absolutely. But there's other times where I'll open and then I might hold off and see what the other buyers do and let them fight it out for a bit. And then knowing what my maximum limit is, here I go back to that again, jump back in in the end, you know. So, again, don't be afraid to put your hand up. Be confident. Use your outside voice, you know, as I say to the kids all the time. Uh, use your outside voice. It, it depends on what you do at the auction ultimately also you know what the agent has told you about the vendor ask the agent you know what is their situation are they going to be reasonable with their reserve that's ultimately what you're going to try and find out because if the agent discloses that they have committed elsewhere they've bought elsewhere they're probably going to be more likely to be realistic and have a reasonable reserve so you know, you're not going to waste your time by going to an auction that's not going to sell anyway. So I think it's important to know that information. Now, be aware that like, once again, you need to have that maximum bid in your head before you start. So don't talk to your partner. Don't talk to your father or anyone else who's there. Because when you do that, you give away the fact that you're close to or already past that limit that you had initially set yourself. You know, that for me, Again, that gives me an opportunity to pounce. So don't make it up as you go along would be my biggest piece of advice, making sure that you have that number in your head before you start. 
Yeah, having it agreed by all of the family, and, and that way there's no back and forth. Do we have another five grand? You know, Dad, can you lend us another ten grand? You know, what else mm. can we use? Yeah, absolutely. And, and because the thing is also when it comes to that increasing that maximum limit uh, during an auction, the additional amount is usually nominal. You know, it's either a couple of grand or you know five grand. It's never going to be twenty or thirty. Usually speaking, you know, if I have another twenty grand up my sleeve. It means I will put in a bigger bid and knock you out. And, and you know, you've just cost me <laughs> that extra bid, but I, I still knock you out. And that's this is really ultimately- Planet Earth 3 with, um, with David Attenborough sort of stuff here that I'm hearing from you. <laughs> well, I you know, there is science behind it. So um, rather than you adding a little one here and a two there, which auctioneers laugh, by the way, because you go beyond what you were initially prepared to spend, um, but as as a professional buyer, this is my tell. You know, I can tell that you're at your limit and you've already gone beyond it. So so don't go there because, you know, you really should see the faces of shock that I see at the end of an auction when, you know, people have bought and they've realized, oh, my goodness, I've just spent, I don't know, thirty five, sixty two thousand over what they had initially set off as a limit. And it's really not pleasant to watch. Yeah, of course. I know from my own experience, I, I've certainly seen families that, yes, they have that joy and on their faces but you can also see sometimes the look of sheer terror if they have mm. overpaid much more than what they had expected to mm. before getting there so michelle if a property does get passed in and doesn't successfully clear for it for um, sake of the argument um mm. there's no successful bidders on the day talk us through what next? Yeah. So tr- traditionally speaking, the highest bidder will, will get the first opportunity to negotiate with the vendor. So there may be other buyers around there, but normally speaking, the agent will, will lend that courtesy to the, the highest bidder. Um, you negotiate. So be prepared that, you know, the agent obviously does this on a day-to-day basis. You may not negotiate on a daily basis. So, you know, stand firm with, again, what your limit is and, you know, ask for a counter ask for a counter. If you're the highest bidder, ask the vendor to counter bid, for example, first, you know, that puts you in a stronger position. But it may well be that the vendor has unrealistic expectations. So then it may just be better to walk away. You know, the property may be taken off the market completely, or it may go on with a a for sale price. You know, maybe it needs to take a week or however long it takes for the agent to talk to the vendor and say, listen, this property has not met the market. The market has told you that they're not where you're at. So sometimes it takes time to get a deal across the line. So be prepared to be patient. If you think this is the property for you, then walk away initially if you can't get it together on that day. Yeah, so um, walking away is certainly a, certainly a good strategy if you feel that the property is being offered more than you're prepared to purchase for. So, mm. Michelle, let's say that, however, that you've been successful, you've shown up early, dominated all of the auction space, you've mm. cleared sufficiently at the people around you, you've power-dressed yourself <laughs> to success, you've made <laughs> all the right bidding strategies as you've outlined, mm. and you have won. So so yeah. now what? Walk us through. Okay, so you've obviously done your due diligence because you've listened to this podcast, and you've had the contract reviewed. <laughs> uh, so bring those things along with you. So one of the contract changes may be that, you know, you've, you've got a, um, a lower deposit. So instead of the 10%, which is traditional, you'll have the 5%. Anything that was agreed to, bring that along with you so that the agent can amend the contract, uh, both contracts for the vendor and the, set and the buyer, and so that they reflect those changes. Yeah, so don't bid successfully 
win at auction and rock up and say, here's my $50. Note. No, that's right. I've got 50 bucks in my pocket. No, no, you, you need to have that agreed to. So obviously um, bring your checkbook along, as I said before, and be prepared to write that check right there and then. Um, make sure you get a receipt for your deposit check. You know, obviously um, just um, take a copy, for example, a scan of the front page of the, on, on your phone, because, you know, also that's a nice to have, you know, you've just bought yourself a property, uh, but it also means that you can start the ball rolling with your broker and with your solicitor i mean they will get a copy of the selling agent anyway but that's not usually until say the monday or the tuesday so if you have it yourself just send it on onwards to them and and then they can start their work uh from their end it's i i always like to 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 be organized with these kinds of things because it does give you that extra piece of confidence yes so it, it certainly won't help won't hurt to get the um, copy a, a couple of days early, especially if the selling agent is selling main properties. They don't get around to you until later in the day. Mm. You know, it helps you get the ball rolling. It also, it's a nice thing to have, especially um, similar to the receipt for the deposit check. It, it's nice to walk away with something on that Saturday afternoon oh, after, after you've been successful. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think then after that, you certainly deserve a glass of champagne. I, th- I think we all do. Um, <laughs> Michelle, that's, that's really good advice. I think there's some great tips in there, some great ideas for people, especially if you're not that, experienced in attending auctions yourself or if um, you haven't bid auctions prior. So mm. a very quick wrap up from us. As mentioned prior, these podcasts really for you. So you, the listener, what is it that you want to know? So in the coming weeks, we're going to provide guests from various fields, be they property stylists, be they real estate agents, listers, conveyancers, financial advisors, um, anything to do with buying, renting out, investing in, or potentially selling your property. Um, We'll also have larger guides, sort of like we have today, being a buyer's guide to surviving auction, as well as potentially recaps on month's results and clearance rates for Sydney. But most importantly, it's about answering your questions. So if you do have a question, please send it to ask at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au. That's A-S-K at sydneypropertyinsider.com.au. They may be a question that you've been afraid to ask a mate down at the pub. They may be a question you've been afraid to ask your broker or real estate agent, even if it's something that you feel um, is not so important and you might feel silly asking someone else, please ask us. That's what we're here for. We're here to answer all questions. That's all for us from now. We look forward to being with you same place, same time next week. And have a great week ahead, everyone. Thanks for listening. Until next time.